welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. I'm not your host. I'm not Matt King, but I do play him on this specific episode of the podcast. Joining me today is the president of Mission USA, Glenn Fitzgerald. I am not having any part of this. I'm completely (laughs) under protest. Also joining us, the actual host of the Say That podcast, Matt King. Everything's different and I'm scared. (laughs) All the way from Tennessee, a pastor of Christ Community Church and personal friend of the show and excellent co-host, Mr. Lee Younger. Matt, I thought you left your Linus Van Pelt blanket in Tennessee. <laughs> Emo- not emotionally. Uh, that, that was Jed Brewer doing yeoman's-like work <laughs> with the, uh, the intro there. I'm going to share a little peek behind the curtain. Folks, as you, as I think the audience can often guess when this is the second of the two episodes we record right. on a Sunday night. I literally started doing the intro to the wrong podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I started welcoming people to episode 175 of the Bridge podcast. Yeah. Which is is not extant yet. Yeah, I don't trust. And um, it's been a lot, it's already been a long winter. That's right. If you if you watched the the show when it came out, you know this joke, but it's also been memefied if there's a a 30 rock kind of image set. And the first one is the Tina Fake hair saying, what a week, huh? And the second one is Alec Baldwin going, it's Tuesday, Lennon. <laughs> and I think if I could sum up 2016, yeah. boy, that was a heck of a year, huh? Yeah. It's only December 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> it can, yeah, can I, I think we may have said this before. Let's say it again. Screw 2016. Yeah, for real, dude. This is a real schmuck of a year. Yeah. We've had enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, just... we, we do record this. This will be the second episode coming out. I was recording on uh, Sunday, December 4th. I was musing on the other day. You know how sometimes you'll think, wow, it's December already. It feels like this whole year's just flown by. Not this year. Not this no, year. No, not a this bit. was a real jerk of a year. Yeah. Did you run it a Yiddish? Yeah, well, you know. But, I got it. I, I have thank a, you. The, there's a, a, there's a, a clause in my contract. I have to say at least one Yiddish word every podcast. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, I, I signed that thing like a real schlemiel. <laughs> good <laughs> that's a yiddish reference and also a 70s tv reference everybody wins uh so we we do uh i take solace in the fact that i'm not the only one who's uh, having a hard time at work recently we had a, a tweet come in on the twitters right here's the thing since Jed's doing the intro i'm gonna do i declare an emergency what? i have an actual mic i can fall away from to get that effect that's you good. have to do it with your voice yeah it's, it's an upside down world, but I, I like I'm it. Just I'm completely uh, d- displeased. I'm intrigued. Do, do you want to take Lee's role and give actually sensitive, helpful advice? <laughs> I don't think I can pull it off. All right. Well, we're gonna get. I, I wish I could. I can't. A bridge too far. Yeah, we knew yeah. we'd find it. Uh, we we had a tweet come in on the tweeters. Okay. Uh, this is from Miss Guinevere, who says, mm. "I don't think I should listen to these say that." And she included the exclamation point, which extra bonus cool points. Lovely. For a proper punctuation. Podcast while working, but I may need to. Right. And uh, Glenn, you, I think you had some thoughts on this. You, you replied on Twitter, but so we got the people out there. They're having a hard time. Right. It's hard out there for, for a working person. Right. They need the podcast. They got to have it. Right. But they got to be surreptitious. Because what right. if the boss man finds out? Okay, here's, it's time for uh, people to stand up. 
to the man. Yeah, you're saying the boss man? The boss man. The boss man's keeping us down. The boss man's the source of the whole problem. I could not agree wow. more. Now, Glenn, this is weird. this is fascinating. Watch uh, yourself, Brewer. You, what, what is your uh, literal title for this organization? The the legal title for someone who heads a nonprofit is president. Yes. Hmm. Is there anyone above you in this card. organization? Here, so I don't the, think there is, so that would make you the boss. Here's what I'm saying. <laughs> All of this has taken a wrong and ugly turn. <laughs> We're not talking about an actual boss. Oh. We're talking a metaphorical about boss. Metaphorical boss. The yeah. man. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I'm with The you man's man. trying to keep us down. I couldn't agree more. It's time for workers of the world to unite. Yes. I just made that phrase up. That's good. Okay. I think it's best if we let people believe that's true. Yes. Don't Google that. Other no. connotations. One thing that occurs to me is I think that a lot of people would get in trouble for listening to the podcast at work for time theft. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You got you to stay on task. Right. At work. You can't be on the Facebook. You can't be, you know, listen to a podcast. But here's what I'm saying is if a person listens to the Say That podcast at work, are they not better equipped to handle Hello? interpersonal problems at said Hello? workplace? I think that's like, you know what? You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, better employee. Boom. Aren't we imparting wisdom that would help somebody in the workplace? This is not time theft. This is time gift. Okay. And maybe you should send some lovely uh, Indonesian treats our way. Yeah. Don't know what that involves. But we're eager to find out. We hey, we ain't scared. Not at we? all. We'll eat whatever you put in front of us. Yes. That's been shown That's to be true. Especially true. Yeah. So here's what I'm saying is, uh, this is oppression. Sure. Meanwhile, the man had his boot on your neck. I got my beret on. Yep. And I and and let we it's time to 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 march in the streets if necessary. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think the the thing we've learned from this that we may not have known is apparently we're already on the side of the revolution, which is nice. Hello. A specter yes. is haunting iTunes. It's uh, we ha- we we have we've sparked a revolution. Yes. And uh, really, and I, I don't mind being open and vulnerable about this. I'm kind of disappointed that it's taken this long. Sure. Well, sure. I, I've always considered Glenn a hero of the proletariat. <laughs> yeah. But it's nice to know that that's spreading internationally. Yeah. I mean, I don't come into much contact with them because many of them carry germs. Sure. Of sure. course. But. Uh, you know, as a as a theoretical concept, uh, you know, I care about. Sure, but those. as you pass them in your carriage, you often uh, transmit warm wishes. That's right, uh, because what we're dealing with here is is uh, uh, just a what is this guy trying to pull? What indeed? Okay, what's he afraid of is going to happen? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. You know, what is the what's his what's his game, man? Yeah. Uh, that's what I want to know. Sure, if your if your whole uh, paradigm seems to exist on uh, having employees who don't have access to the wisdom, yeah, maybe you're running some kind of grift. Yeah, that's you know because this is one of those things where I think what we need for our podcast listeners to do, everybody, we're gonna we're gonna go on strike. That's yeah. uh, that's 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 obvious. Yeah. Okay. We're all going to go in to our all the different listeners. They're going to go into their employer's office mm-hmm. and say, because this show runs about an hour-ish, something like that. I need a, a hour. A week. A week. Say that break. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then I need another hour of that week 
say that contemplation? Yes. Sure, because you can't. Yeah. You got to contemplate. It. You can't just listen. Can't to go it. without Clear. the other. Yeah. Uh, and then another hour, say that journaling yes. sure. break. Yes. Because you got to journal off your contemplations. Absolutely. So, you know, we got to work out the particulars, but it's got to, we got to go in there and that's like what you call benefits. Yes. You got to have, you got your salary. Yes. And you got your benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have like your dental. Yes. You got your medical. Yes. You got your parking. Yeah. Okay. And then you got your, your spirituality. Yes. Say that podcast. Makes perfect sense to me. Boom. It may take a minute, but I think we can do it. Sure, absolutely. I think the key is motivation, organization, <laughs> this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, uh, you know, because uh, if an employer cares, he's going to probably insist that you, it, in fact, I'm surprised that it's not mandatory. Yeah, wow. in more places. Yeah, this is taking a more totalitarian turn. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's I that's what's called for. Is, sure. Um, you know, because desperate times calls for desperate podcasting. You know, if uh, you know, because like in, in the factories, yes, in a lot of really cool places like Cuba or right. whatever. Okay. Uh, they'll <laughs> they'll pipe in the the voice of the dear leader right while they're uh, uh, doing topical. Stuff. Yeah. So. They could have say that going right, just piping it in sure. to like the, the office. Intercom. Like if you work in a dentist's office, yeah. Instead of Kenny G, you don't. Do you want Kenny G in your head? You no, know you don't. You don't. No, but you want the wisdom. Somebody's drilling a hole in your head. You want to hear something with some wisdom to it. I couldn't agree more. That your head's off into that. You're not. You don't even mind that there's a hole in that someone's drilling in your face. Well, here's my question: Is now that we are being piped into all these offices, do we get like royalties off of that? Obviously. Like, are we talking well, I, like big bucks? Oh I'm yeah, jealous. I assume in this kind of uh, scenario, uh, Glenn has already been uh, attached as some kind of um, labor czar. Yeah, sure. Yeah, this is uh, again, we... folks. This is all post-revolution. And to be entirely honest, we're going to need you people to do a lot of the revolution like work. <laughs> That's <laughs> we're really kind true. of thinking the ideas, and we're getting plans for how we're going to profit off in the meanwhile. The There's going to be a lot of you know stuff, I don't want to get specific, that needs to happen in streets. Yeah. And hey, we're really going to need you to take care of that. And listen, I, Lord knows, and these guys will attest to this, I do not pay close attention in, say, that legal meetings. That's but, very true. But the phrase plausible deniability comes up a lot. It really does. So we're we're going to mostly distance ourselves from yep. the revolution as it kicks off in our underground bunker. And then once you guys have, uh, you know, laid the groundwork for that and, you know, the hubbub has died down, then we come out of the bunker. We pull a maneuver called the swoop in. We swoop in. And then we assume totalitarian control. And It's uh, all the rage. Yeah. Scoop and score. Absolutely. I think this is all great. I think there are a couple couple of important things we need to caution people against doing. Okay. So as not to slow the wheels of of the impending revolution here. Okay. Um, so if you're going to listen to the podcast at work, which we totally encourage, unless you get caught, in which case we didn't tell you to do it. Um, a couple things to avoid. Very important. Uh, don't talk to your customers about time traveling cyborgs. Yeah. No, that's bad. Yeah. Like maybe let's say you work in an insurance agency and you're kind of listening to the podcast while you're kind of doing some paperwork and you're on a call. You say, oh, you know, you've got the, you've got the home, you've got the, you've got the auto, you've got the 
the fire and the earthquake and the act of God. We don't actually offer this policy, but I'm, I'm trying to get some research going. If we offered time traveling megachurch cyborg insurance, would you want it? How would you feel about that? Right. It's a great question. Right. It's going to be important at some point, mm-hmm. but you got to save that for later. Yes, save that absolutely. For later. Let's say you're in some kind of customer facing role where you mm. deal with uh, people. You, you don't want to do legalistic jet voice. No, we know it's fun. No, but mm, if someone says, well, you know, I think I didn't, uh, my card bounced. And he was like, hmm. Well, mm. Talk about you know, financial mm. responsibilities. Yes. yes. See, I, well, I think what you're driving us towards is as the revolution gains uh, strength and whatever, what you need is uh, like a password. Okay. You know what I mean, like you got uh, two shibboleth, com- if you will. Yeah, you got you got what yeah. what uh, two commandos in the in the jungle. Sure. Yeah. Run across each other, and one of them Rochambeau says, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. One says, uh, 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 you know, the eagle flies at midnight. Yeah. And the other one says. Uh, a, a damp man wishes he had an umbrella. And then that's Are you the, getting your rainbow movies mixed up with your spy movies? It's sometimes yes. Yeah. That's okay. it's but you you, you you see what I'm saying? Sure, it's all the same principle. You give them a code. Yeah. And then so they can identify each other yes. as podcast listeners. Well yes. you you bring this up. We we have put this forth into the world before. Who you have? With well, we we print, really we printed attention. up merch. Mm-hmm. Oh, with dating, we we've, we've put it out in the dating world, and I don't think there's any reason it can't expand to a code word. If you you pass someone, you emergency on, mm. and of course they respond. Emergency off. There you go. I think that's I think that's fantastic. Well, I think that really fits in as office jargon as well. Okay, here's how I'm going to make this offer. You write in and tell us that you confronted your boss and you put your finger in his face. Yeah. Said, I'm listening to this podcast. I don't even care. Yeah. So, uh, this, and, is, uh, this is, this uh, is. I won't hear the end of that, but it's an important point now that we point out, Glenn hasn't actually had a boss in 20 years. That's right. <laughs> so a lot of his, the way you deal with the boss is very theoretical. In your face. And then you write us in, we give you... Unemployment say insurance? that we say that you give you say that merch that we ha- still have in a box somewhere. Also, yes. when when Glenn starts a sentence with "Here's how I make this awkward," and then <laughs> continues on, just beware. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it is. To be fair, Glenn starts every sentence that way. Yeah. He normally says it real low so you can't hear it, and then right. ramps up into the normal thing. But yeah. it, it it will work if you imagine pretty much everything Glenn says, starting with "This is how I make this awkward." That's right. Well, I think we got a lot of good stuff done. I think the yeah. revolution is uh, incipient. Right. I think we're going to benefit a lot from it. A lot of people are going to get lost along the way, and right. we'll certainly uh, mourn them in spirit as yeah. we uh, you know, take over the world. But that, mm-hmm. that'll be good. Maybe we'll build monuments to them. Sure. Maybe. It mm-hmm. sounds expensive. Maybe yeah. not. Yeah, we'll, but we'll, we'll cherish them in our hearts. And we'll think warm thoughts. And in that case, basis, I do declare emergency off. Ooh. Mm. Uprising on. There you go. Very that's good. why. That's why you normally do that part. That's right. Of course, there is also uh, th- th- we already do have a bit of a a burgeoning secret society yes. of people who are mm. on the inside who get the Ooh. straight dope who know the real scoop. And of course, we have Bridgebox subscribers. Whoa. You get a monthly communique, if you uh-huh. want to put it that way, directly in your inbox. Now, does it? It involves you know songs and sermons and Bible studies and guest devotionals and lots of good stuff. Are there coded messages about toppling the whole system in there? I think there might be. Mm-hmm. If you just dig through there. We don't have proof of not that. We don't want to tell you. But I'm just saying, if you wanted to know how to topple a world banking system, there may be some clues in the March, April, and June 2015 bridge boxes. Just saying. If you right. line them up. 
That's you get right. Nick Cage on the case, <laughs> and you look through it with the glasses and the thing. Right. Line them all up. It's all revealed. But even if you don't have the special glasses that Ben Franklin made so that you can decode the bridge box and find the special map on the back of it, you, of course, get all that good stuff for your own spiritual walk based on a different topic every month. We're in December of 2016. Our topic this month is how do I love people who are hard to love? It's a total coincidence that that came up on a month where people spend a lot of time with their families. We, hmm. we don't put that much type, type of thought into these things. It's fairly random, but it's only $8 a month. If you want to get uh, 2017 started off with some extra cool stuff for your walk, and most importantly, supporting the ministry we do up here, behind bars and on the street, helping us hire part-time employees, lots of good stuff. That's missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Okay, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. First question comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, can you speak a little bit to the role of success in work as a Christian? I work in the tech industry, but feel deeply inadequate compared to my other peers. I have less achievements. I don't feel as smart as them. And I don't feel like I work as much or as hard. Is it true that Christians are to exhibit excellence in all that they do? And if so, what if I just suck at it? And that is the kind of honest question we really can deal yeah. with on this yep. show. Lee, why don't you kick us off? I love this question. And, and, uh, Love the way you worded it. Thankful that you wrote it in, and and know how it feels. I mean, I, I think that that if if we're honest, we all kind of know how it feels to look around and think, "Gosh, everybody else has got it together, and I suck." Yeah. Um, and and I got to be, I, I got to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit here today, and and say, I I've you know I I've been writing music for a long time, and writing music as a believer for a while. And I was talking to um, I was talking to a friend who who actually had some moderate success in writing Christian music and making albums and you know being a little bit on the radio and stuff like that. And um, and I was trying to you know get his opinion about some stuff and and he was really cutting this one dude's stuff down and he was and he was making the same point about Christians and excellence and everything. And, and I got to be honest, this this dude has had. <laughs> The you know ten years later, this dude has had more sadness and problems because of the the gut punches he's gotten from the Christian music industry than than anything that you've ever seen. And this whole thing about the excellency and all that stuff, it's all been a cover up for this big problem that a lot of people have, which is we are chasing something that does not exist. Um, and, and the, the big deal for me on this is uh, zooming out from the Christian thing is that basically everybody in the Western culture has been sold a couple of lies. Um, one of them is, um, this lie that, you know, if you work hard, you do your best, you can be anything you want to be and you can change the world. Um, the other one is if you, you know, you need to get good grades and get into a good school so you can get a good job, so you can buy a great house and a good neighborhood and your kids, you can give your kids more than you had. And the thing about both of these things is that the, the first, the first lie is a complete fantasy. And the second one is entirely self-focused and neither one of them is very true. Um, the, the problem is that the, the first thing that you're chasing is basically doesn't exist. And the second thing you're chasing is this kind of competition where every single person is lying yeah. about what they have and what they feel and what, and what it's giving them and everything. The really interesting thing is that, uh, we automatically feel as believers that, you know, 
ambition and achievement and stuff like that and the desire to be great, these are bad things. But actually, Jesus wasn't that uncomfortable talking about stuff like that. He, mm-hmm. he actually said, if you want to be great, that's not actually a problem. That's cool. But most people have it, have it twisted on how to get there. Actually, the way to be great is to be the servant of all. Um, the Apostle Paul used the word ambition quite a bit, and one of the one of the places that he uses the word ambition is in uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. He says, okay, here's the deal. Um, you should make your life about loving people and serving them, and you should make it your ambition to live a quiet life, work with your hands. Um, that's that That should be your thing. Love and serve people and don't make a big deal out of it. That is, that's a person who has the smile of God. That's a person who is great in the kingdom of heaven. These are not uncomfortable concepts in the scripture. It's just that we have such a backward view of it because we've been sold these lies. If you, if you do your best, then you can change the world or you should get, you should achieve as much as you possibly can to your potential so that you can have all of this stuff so that you can compete with everybody else who's lying about what they have and what it gives them and all that kind of stuff. The truth is that you actually can change the world. And the truth is that you actually can do cool stuff with what God gave you. The question is, does it have to be something that everybody else sees? Mm, or not? Mm. And that's really the question, man, because, um, and, and I have to say, I know how this feels and I know how this feels because I was sold on the same lies my entire life. And the real question is, what is, what is real achievement? What is real success? What really matters? And does it matter if everybody acknowledges that or not? And does the thing, the, the things that everybody acknowledges as awesome and successful and great, are those really good things or not? You actually can be part of changing the world and you actually can do really cool stuff in the tech industry and you actually can do really cool stuff in whatever your industry is and whatever your job is and you can be used of the Lord and nobody could ever know about it except the Lord himself. And then one day he's going to tell everybody about it. I think that we just get twisted on some of this stuff because we bought into so many lies that everybody that, that nobody can admit are, are not satisfying us. Amen. That's really, Amen. really good place to start. And Jed, I'll, I'd love to go to you next. And you've, you've uh, between school and some uh, previous life work stuff, you definitely come from these kind of high-achieving environments, one of them being the tech sector. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of things going on here I'd love to speak to. And one is the, the spiritual aspect of this, of what, what, is, what does God want from us to go into a— an environment where maybe before, I mean, you can, if you have a certain aptitude and you have enough time studying, you can get an A on the test. If yeah. you're in an environment where the assignment is designed this thing that's never been done before, how much is, you know, rip-roaring success constantly a good goal and how much of that is what we should kind of want out of life? So I guess the main thing I'm asking is, as we go on in these kind of high, maybe even high-pressure environments, what are some healthy ways we can set boundaries and where is God in that? That's a great question. That's a great question. Well, let's leave excellence completely out for a second, which feels like a scandalous thing to do. But mm. Let's just let's set that aside for a second. That was the motto of my college. And let's let's look at kind of some good basic goals. And these would be true whether you're Christian or not, actually. Just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, are, are we doing okay here in terms of, of your, your work environment? The first question is, do you keep your commitments? 
Right. When when you're given um, a a task, design this, you know, complete this, do this. Do you do it on time, within budget, and on spec? Mm-hmm. Do you keep your commitments? Do right. you accomplish the things you have agreed to do? Because if you don't do that, Christian or not, you have a reason to be concerned. That's an immoral uh, thing. That that's that's bad. Um, it from a Christian standpoint, it's a bad witness. Uh, from a career standpoint, that will not. Uh, that will not go well with you in the land. Mm-hmm. So if we're if we're not doing that, that should concern us on several levels. Um, but I bet you are. I bet you do keep your commitments. Then the second question is, provided that you're, you're keeping your commitments, do you have a plan for growing your personal skills and capacity? In other words, do you have a plan and a strategy in place for how you're going to get a little bit better and a little bit better at this job thing? Because you should. That yeah. actually just normal human development. You, you need to be you know kind of in a constant state of at least a little bit of improvement. That's that's just um, that's part of being a happy and well-adjusted person. And it's certainly a part of the whole excellence thing as a Christian. Is I want to be in a you know an ongoing state of growth. If you are keeping your commitments, again, you know, the boss says, here's, here's the task, and you, you, you agree to do, do the task, and then you do the task, and you have a plan for, even if it's by inches, to increase your skill level and your, you know, level of, of ability and, and, you know, competency, then you should have total peace about where you are today. We should be able to stick a flag in the ground and say, I am doing a good job right now today. Mm-hmm. Is it excellence? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. That's this is the thing about excellence. That's a completely relativistic idea. It it, right. it depends on the on the perspective of the person looking at it. One man's excellence is another man's mediocrity. Because we it, have it, taste. Because we have taste and we have different internal uh, sense of standards and whatnot. If you're keeping your commitments and you're growing even a little bit, you can have total peace about where you are right now today in terms of your career. You are doing a good job. We could then ask the question, well, yeah, but couldn't I be growing faster? Sure, of course you could. But that's not the issue. We, mm-hmm. What you're describing in your question is, I feel like I'm, I'm at disaster now, and I want to be not at disaster. And, and the thing is, a lot of this excellence talk, one of the things that it does that's hugely problematic, whether you're Christian or not, is it gets us into a place of black and white thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm either a total disaster or I'm the hero. And I need to know which of those I am. Well, the truth is, in most of life, you're neither of those things. Right. And most of life, and particularly healthy, functional, mature adult life, is about being in a sustainable place that is in between being a complete disaster and being the hero that saves the day. Mm-hmm. The way that you arrive at that is you keep your commitments and you um, you know, grow little bit by little bit. One of the things, if we want to bring Jesus into it, is we want to ask the Lord, we want to start talking with the Lord, why can't I be okay with that? What is it that's in my head that says that's not enough? Because it turns out most of life, that's actually what you ought to be shooting for in, mm-hmm. in most areas, is I'm, I'm keeping my commitments, I'm meeting my responsibilities, and I'm getting a little bit better and a little bit smarter. Mm-hmm. Christians are super bad at being okay with that. Yeah. Um, and I think we want to start, if we want to bring Jesus into it, which we should, we need to start talking about why we can't be okay with that. Yeah, why sure. we feel like it needs to be demonstrable better than that. Who are we trying to please? Right, right, right. Who, who, who do we feel like is looking down on us and judging us? Is that us? Is that mom? Is that, you know, somebody else? But I think the thing about it is define what a healthy, sustainable life would look like, in this case, professional life. See, are we at it? And then start working through why am I having trouble being okay with a healthy and sustainable life? That's all really good stuff. I'm glad I'd love to get you to to kind of continue us down this path of bringing the spiritual aspect to this, because I think yeah. that's the crux of some of it. I, to go back to what Lee was talking about at the beginning of kind of some things we've been told that aren't true, I think one of them for a lot of people is 
getting good grades is a spiritual exercise. Right. Yeah. When uh, that's different, as Jed was pointing out, than uh, following through on your responsibilities, doing what's expected of you, and being responsible. Right. Those are right. are spiritual. Can be our spiritual uh, fruits of spirit, as you've talked about. But there's this idea that uh, a success inherently is a spiritual exercise, and the more of it you have, the more better you are. And I can is that part of the thinking that's tripping us up here? Absolutely right. I think uh, all these other fellows are, are touching on sort of the ego aspect of this thing, and I think that's worth. Uh, looking at and connecting the idea of success with and can I get you to expound on something there? When it's, I think it's worth uh, taking a moment to define when we say ego, I think people think of that idea of you know uh, someone when their ego is wounded, that is because they have a big head or they think a lot of themselves. Right. That's not really the way you're using that. No, no, there. yeah, that would be pride in that case, uh, or, or you know, a, a self yeah. uh, focus or that would be like. to, to act egotistical is something right, that's different right. than considering you, how your ego is. Yeah, affected. ego is really just, um. Uh, 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 seeing yourself at the center of a situation, mm-hmm. you know, that sense of I must satisfy the way I see myself first and then I can go on with the rest of, of the situation. And that never works because we're uh, egos never satisfied. Mm-hmm. So that's why we want to get rid of ego. Uh, uh, not, we don't want to get rid of a sense of self-importance. In fact, what I think what, uh, what, what this person needs to do, what we all need to do is connect our work life with our calling. Okay, now here's how that goes. Let's imagine two totally different kind of calling scenarios, okay? Uh, Scenario number one is God is calling you to um, uh, work hard at the job and then take a significant amount of money from this job and give that to missions. You're not going to do any missions. You, your job is to take the money and give it to missions, make sure it goes to the right place and everything. But in so doing, you are as integral to that process as the missionary that's doing the mission. That's right. It's right. all part and parcel. Absolutely right. I, I, he, how's he going to do that if you're not in it? It's all one effort here. One body, and, many parts. Yeah, there's, there's a research of that and who needs it and what do they need and when do they need it and how do they need it and all that and making sure it gets where it needs to go and praying it through and all that. But that's, that's calling number one. Here's... Calling number two, uh, just two random examples, and there's a million different ways God can call you to, you know, serve Him. Here's calling number two is to just witness to dudes at work. Sure. Okay, mm-hmm. that's your calling. Okay. Uh, God may call you to a thousand different of those situations, but just looking at those two examples, if your calling is to give to missions, then uh, the, you should look at your work life as I need to do whatever it takes to move up in order to get raises so I can get more money for the people who are doing the mission. Sure. And I need to be smarter about where that money's going with the missions, and I need to be more invested in, in what's going on with that and figuring that out and helping uh, those people uh, deal with their money situation and so on and so forth. But if I imagine scenario number two where I'm supposed to be witnessing to my coworkers, if I'm working so hard and I'm getting promotions and I'm getting out of this office and I'm no longer interacting with these people, I may be in a position where I'm not able to witness to my coworkers in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. So uh, by me being ambitious to try and succeed in this job environment, I may be not fulfilling the calling that God has for me, but by being a thoroughly mediocre worker that has plenty of time to interact with my coworkers, I'd be in a, in a better position. 
So the success then becomes a non-issue. Mm-hmm. Here's the last point on, on success. You don't control the success that happens in your life. What you control is competence. Do you do a competent job at what you're doing? As, as Jeb was saying, do you fulfill the responsibility? Do you do, you do an adequate job, whatever? Success belongs to God. God yeah. gives it to whoever he wants to give it to. Uh, uh, the, the amount of uh, success that I've had in my chosen profession now is a thousand times more than when I, than 20 years ago, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, I knew about 85% of what I know now. Mm-hmm. And the extra 15% that I've learned, I'm not covering with any of the people that are engaging me now. Yep. So, uh, it's taken those 20 years for for things to, you know, for that success to happen the way the Lord wanted it to happen, when he wanted it to happen, because he wanted me working on other things. He didn't want me working on the stuff that I'm working on now. So uh, I could I could look at the, the quote-unquote success that I'm having now, and it's spectacular, yes. And I could say I worked hard at it. I could say I was dedicated. I could say I made sacrifices. I could say I developed an amazing team. I could say the team each made sacrifices and they worked hard and they were dedicated. We can put all that together. And you know what? It still doesn't explain how amazing we're seeing things move in this ministry right now. And you just, you have to kick back and say, that's God. God has created a situation and granted that success to us. So I think it's important for us to recognize that that's where success really comes from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I want to draft right off what you're saying there. There's there's two verses in the New Testament that if you're if you're if you've heard that you know God wants demands that Christians be excellent in everything, you've probably heard it uh, quoted along with both of these verses. One's Ephesians six seven, which says, "Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not right, people." Right. The other is Colossians three twenty three, which says, "Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters." Uh, those are uh, very good verses. They have a lot to teach us. They don't say what people think they put say. forth as thinking they're saying. Because right. you may notice neither of those verses, and you can go to you can go to your Bible Hub, you can go to your Concordance, you can go to the Greek. You won't find any different. It does not say work super hard. Right. Work as hard as possible. Right. Work the hardest. Right. Be the hardest worker. Doesn't say anybody that says serve wholeheartedly. Work at it with your whole heart. That implies, as Glenn is saying here, not only, I think there's an idea people have of what that means is, well, you know, serve as if you're serving God, not human masters, because mm-hmm. God would demand so much more of you. Right. That's not what this is saying at all. Right, it's, right, you know, right. it's, it's saying a lot of what we've been talking about here about, you know, the way you plan your goals and having a, a more holistic mm-hmm. view of this, but this idea that to, to serve the Lord means to work yourself into the ground is not what that means at all. You also, know. I read something uh, somewhere in the Old Testament about a, 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 a day that is sacred is the one where you're supposed to rest. That's the day you work what? even harder. That's some yes. communist talk there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so. I, it's, it's a fantastic point. You know, as is serving the Lord, the Lord who put down the Sabbath, if you look at the Old Testament, things like the year of Jubilee, where mm-hmm. it was say, take the whole year off and don't work, and mm-hmm. all the festivals and feasts that are in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Jesus did a lot of sitting around, yeah. if you read uh, the New Testament here. So we, we have a bit, we have a good, as we often do, a good idea from Scripture that people have taken a cultural thing, which is hard work will set you free, 
and just decided, eh, it's basically what the Bible says. Yeah. It's it's close enough, and it's it's super not. So the way that applies to your situation here is you say, you know, as, as it goes back to what Jed was saying, it's another aspect, which we're not comfortable with, but it actually is a, a good point here. Um, who Are we achieving the goals we need to with this job? Uh, here's something Christians hate, and for some reason I don't, I don't really understand, is the boss happy? Yep. Yeah. It turns out no matter what your job is, whether it's a missionary, writer, uh, engineer, tech person, you actually have a single job, yep. which is to make the person who cuts you a paycheck happy. Yep. There's actually not – the way you make them happy may be this number of sales or go talk to this person. But your only actual – you have a list of one metric to keep this job, and that's make the boss happy. Yep. So if you go to the boss and say, how, how are we feeling? They say, well, you know, quarterly report time. They say, well, most, mostly we're happy. If you like, you know, you could do better in this, this, and that. I really like the way to do that. That's cool. That doesn't actually reflect on you as a spiritual person. That yep. doesn't – this idea that who the, the, your job performance is directly tied to your spirituality is not true in the way we think of it. And I, as this takes back to where Judge started, part of being okay with that is figuring out that God is okay with it. Well, to back you up and to bring more scripture into it, Ecclesiastes declares the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong, time and chance happen to them both. The Bible right. directly says that all your super hard work does not guarantee success in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Right. Whereas Proverbs notes, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Yeah. Um, God does want you to put, as you put it, God wants you to put in a responsible effort, but he wants you to know he's the one that will make this successful or not. You killing yourself won't achieve that, and he doesn't want it to work that way. Absolutely right. It's really fantastic stuff. Remember our second question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr box. For reasons that will become clear momentarily. Uh, they say, I have a very personal question. I have a wonderful girlfriend whom I am very attracted to. Excellent bonus points for proper grammar. On yes. I I'm very attracted. Is it wrong that I fantasize about her physically and masturbate to those thoughts? Hello. Sure. We're going to, spe- we're, we're going to be mature. <laughs> we're not, but we're going to give it a, let's an honest try. effort. We're, let's try. I, I don't listen to this. We are going to giggle like children. Because it's funny. Sure, absolutely. That's We're not making right. fun of anyone. Everybody no. has this thought. This is why we have anonymous stuff turned on. If you write in, you can always ask us anonymous, but we we want you to be comfortable writing in the real deal questions so we can give you the answer you absolutely want. Right. Absolutely right. So, Jenna, I'll start off with you, and there's a couple a couple of things, angles I'd like to cover this on. Uh, one is, obviously, and I think this uh, will not uh, be very quick, is the... The actual what what's the what's the the Sunday sure. school answer on the sin here? Sure. But then there's a, a larger thing I think we could probably spend more of our time on, which is how do we move from an how do we balance out things like risk assessment and moving from where we are to knowing the ideal but dealing with where we are. And mm. I think I think we can cover both of those. Why don't you start us off? That's great, man. I'm really glad you wrote in. And I'm really glad that you dig your girlfriend. That's fantastic, man. I'm, I'm glad for you and for her. Um, is it wrong if I fantasize about her physically and masturbate to those thoughts? To quote Reverend Lovejoy from The Simpsons, short answer, yes with a but, long answer, no with an if. Yeah. Um, the, the conventional Christian response to your question is, yes, that's wrong. Um, if you want a Matthew five, lust in your heart, it's all adultery. Absolutely. If you want a slightly longer, more involved answer, the Bible says basically nothing about masturbation. It doesn't really, really come up. Um, Onan. Yeah. Onan's not about masturbation. 
That's right. There are <laughs> other aspects to that story. Right. In, in any way, shape, or form. In, in, in fact, with, with sexual stuff, actually, the, the Bible really, it says a lot less than most people think it says, um, particularly with, with much specificity. It says a lot less negative and a lot more pro than That's most people it. Yeah. think it says. It does yeah. say stuff. It does say stuff. It says a lot of very positive stuff, but... I'm going to tell you a story for a second, because I'll tell you my actual answer, but I need to tell you why it's my answer, and the story will help to illustrate it. I have a guy that we're working with. I'm driving him um, home to where he's staying at, actually from our bridge service, and we're talking about life, and we get on to relationships. He's telling me, actually, similar to your question, I've got this lady, and she's great, and mm-hmm. is fantastic, and I'm trying to figure out where do we go, and where do things stand, and, you know, the thing I'm discovering is, you know, relationships are a lot of work, man, you know, and, you, you know, it's, it's tough, you know. I mean, look, I've been with a lot of prostitutes, okay? And the yeah. thing is, they'll do whatever you want. And part of me says, that's the way I want it to be. But then I realize, that's not love, though. No, that's it's not love. <laughs> that's what I want. My life is love. That's, that's, that's what we call in the business a breakthrough. That's what that's just like... No, no, yeah, that, that's right. That's yeah. not love. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, that's, that's correct. You, there's you, some wrong things in there, but all of your conclusions are... Completely correct. <laughs> Whole lot of wrong things. Yeah. Okay. The sum of the equation works out. You landed in a very good place. Right. That is not love. I want love. I will now pursue love. Right. That's great. The people, the folks that we work with um, have an unbelievable number of problems. And the phrase that they would use to describe themselves is I'm tore up from the floor up and I need a check up from the neck up. That, right, those are right. phrases that get used in inner city by the folks we work with to describe themselves. And it's super true. One right. of the things that happens is you start talking with a person and 10 minutes in your eyes, they are wrong kind of about everything right. in all conceivable yeah. directions. So right. what on earth do we do? All right. Now Christians, you know, go to a nice church on Sunday morning. They think, well, I really have one sin in my life. They don't. You, you have a ton of sins in your life. But you, you like to think of that way. They're just one sin away from pretty much being perfect. They just need a coat of paint on this thing and we're all good. Yeah, that's right. The, the folks we deal with, they have they have sin coming out of every pore. That's right, right. that's what we're dealing with. And so if you want to minister to a person in that situation, the thing you have to ask is, are we headed in the right direction? Right. Mm-hmm. Are, are we pointed in a direction where if we keep walking down this path, we'll get to somewhere good? Mm-hmm. Because if that's the case, then the key thing they need is for me to cheer them on and, mm-hmm. and to try and take some stumbling blocks out of their way so that they can, can walk that journey more peacefully. If we're not pointed in a good direction, then we need to you know, talk about what a good direction would, would look like. Mm-hmm. But what isn't on the table for the people that we work with is the ideal case that you will perfectly and mm. sinlessly mm. move forward in all grace and glorification. You can't see this, but I'm holding my hands in a prayer yeah, thing. You know it. Right the now, you can feel it in my voice. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to go on Glenn's Facebook and find the uh, Gripes-giving video of <laughs> Jed singing Here Are Gripes, it's the same hand position. Yeah, yeah. So, I tell you all that to say this. You're asking, is this wrong? Again, it's not great. Um, but there's there's a bigger question I would hit back to you. Are What direction are you pointed in with this relationship? Uh, that's right. Yeah. Are we building a good, God-honoring, Jesus-focused, mutually encouraging, mutually beneficial relationship where we're able to serve the Lord more effectively as a team, where we're both honored, where we're both built up and whatnot? Are we building that? Because if we're building that, then actually, if we're, well, let's say this, if we're not pointed in that direction, that's a hugely bigger problem than who is or isn't masturbating and what they are or not thinking about when they do that. Right. Let, right, let's, right. let's say that first. Right. If we have a relationship that 
isn't oriented towards serving the Lord, that isn't oriented towards building each other up and encouraging one another and, and strengthening one another in the Lord, then we need to acknowledge we've got much, much bigger problems. Yeah. If we do have a relationship that is actually kind of pointed in a pretty good direction, I'm, I could be wrong. I'm guessing, uh, pulling some very loose threads, that that might actually be the case here, that we've got a pretty decent little relationship that's pointed in some pretty decent directions. Then here's the thing that I would have you think about is you're going to have problems, You're going to have problems. Your girlfriend's going to have problems. You as a couple are going to have problems. That's guaranteed. All right. That's that's mm-hmm. not the idea of, you know, if we love Jesus enough, we'd have no problems and Preach. no struggles. <laughs> that's a lie. Right, that doesn't right, exist. Right, 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 You're right. going to have problems. Do we know what the number one problem that's most likely to take us out is? Mm-hmm. Are we clear on that problem? Mm-hmm. Because. If we're not, then all our focus needs to be on getting wisdom and insight on what that problem is and developing a strategy to address it. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if that problem was your masturbation habits. Right. I would be shocked out of my gourd if, yeah. that, if that was the number one thing most likely to derail this relationship. Or near the top. Either. Or anywhere near the top. Mm-hmm. Does that make it good? Well, no, but it does mean that doesn't need to be our focus right, right now. Right, right. Our focus is what's the thing, that's, if we've got a good thing pointing a good direction, what's trying to take us out Mm -hmm. maybe that's a sense of shame about sexual stuff and we're not able if we're in a serious relationship that's you know we're headed towards engagement or headed towards marriage we need to be able to talk about sexuality we need to be able to start having discussions about that Mm -hmm. do we have a sense of shame about those things where that's a problematic thing we can't be open and honest with each other that would be a huge problem that Mm -hmm. would be something that we need it's it's a fixable problem but Mm -hmm. it's it's one that we need to address but the thing that christians fall into all the time and this is the thing that Christians fall into all the time is they want to fix the problems they feel embarrassed about rather than the problem that's going to take them out. Amen. That's that's the thing that they fall into. Dude. Find the problem that's going to take you out. Get wisdom on that and focus on that. Mm-hmm. Give it everything you've got fixing that problem. The reason why I'm not jumping in on the story, the guy tells me about, I go to prostitutes, but it's not love, man. The reason why I don't jump in and say, well, you know, prostitution's wrong. I don't know if you know that, right. but it's super wrong. You should right. because it's bad and it's exploitative of them. It's right. bad for you. Right. The Bible says, would you unite your members to a thing? And besides this, the reason I don't do that is him not going to prostitutes is not his number one problem. Right. That's not the number that's one. shocking. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot yeah. going on there, but that's not the thing that's most likely to take right. him out. Plus, he's already aware it's not exactly he's according done the to research. He's, yeah. done, he's done the research. And he's already down on, on prostitution. So That one solved itself. Exactly yeah, right. That's right. For you, you're writing this question. Again, I will bet money that your masturbation habits are not close to the top of the things most likely to take this relationship out. And you're writing this question because you sense this is probably not exactly where we want to land. And, and you're right about that. It's not. But if we will walk towards the relationship the Lord has us and solve the key problems, what we may find is that before too long, we're in a situation where the whole masturbation thing is not a factor anyway. Right, and then right. that's a glorious day where we all lay our burdens down. That's a, a really interesting scripture to finish that on, yeah. but I think appropriate. Glenn, I'd love to kick to you next, and there's there's an idea I'd love to get you to kind of talk about in this context. I think it's it's an idea that will help us in the broader context, which only applies here. And it's one I've really only heard you and people you've discipled and Christian stuff talk about, which is the idea of uh, a dull roar mm-hmm. and kind of managing a situation here. As, as Jed pointed out, this is not where we want to land with our sexual life. We don't yeah. do it forever. However, and you're not going to hear this in church, you're not going to hear this Christian bookstore, but it needs to be said, uh, the place we are now is not going to lead to pregnancy, 
right. nor STIs, nor yeah. arrests for visiting, uh, for sexual solicitation, yes, or any right. of those things. So while it is wrong, it is a sin. Right. There, we said it, internet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not the worst possible uh, place to be right. currently. Right. So how, how do we balance those out? How do we kind of, as as Jed's saying here, if, the, if, there, if there's the list of things we need to be working on, how do we how do we think about how do we prioritize compartmentalize things right now? I say that's not great, mm-hmm. and we're going to get to that eventually. But for right now, it's not causing a huge problem, and we can deal. Well, I, I, it's a fantastic question, and it's a great way for us to start looking at this. Of, of I think we have a sense of right and wrong is sort of binary, or it's it's all the way on, all the way off, uh, and all equal. Yeah, right is right and wrong is wrong. That's right. And the the truth is we're all dealing with uh, various shades of gray. Yeah, it's good. Nice reference. You know. Uh, Would you say there are 50 of them? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to skip it. Yeah, yeah we don't have time. I'm not even going to use the, the term closet frisbee to describe the situation. That would be that's, wrong. You know, or the legal term is badgering the witness. But Indeed. the point is, the point I'm trying to make is, that um that we have this sense of I want to take it to the extreme. You know, I want I want to be uh super holy, super righteous, super whatever have you. And it gets us thinking further away from what Jeb was talking about, which is let's keep the main thing the main thing and do that yep. fully and keep everything else to a dull roar, have it on the back burner, be aware at some point the Lord may come along and say, you know, that's not, uh, we, we may want to you know, something with that. You know? Well, I think that's an important aspect of this, is not, is to, we want to point this out, and Jed made this well, we're not saying it's good or it's fine. Right, right. We're saying it has a position on on the the long, long list of wrong things. That's right. It has a position. That's, That's not the same right. thing as saying, ah, it's fine. When you say long, long list, let's be clear on this. Since none of us is going to be perfect in this side of heaven, that list goes on forever. Yep. Yeah. That means when you die, there's going to be sins that you have not finished working on yet. Yep. So... Uh, that we we need to be clear that that's the lifelong condition that yeah. that, that we keep wor- we have some stuff that we're not working on now that we will be working on soon and I'm getting myself ready for the Lord to tell me where He wants that to be and again we're keep, we know that's a thing that's going to be modified probably so we want to keep that uh, under control mm-hmm. which that's the lust is when we're losing that control yeah. so we want to get that way under control and be ready for the Lord to tell us what He thinks about that but. I think the tendency, particularly with sexual stuff, is to orient, for young people, young Christians, to orient themselves to the most legalistic word they've heard. That would be the safest one. That's Mm -hmm. the safest or the most holy or the most extreme one. Here's the the most legalistic version you've heard of this, is if you don't marry her, you're lusting after another man's wife. Mm. And would you, you know, this is so... Freaking stupid. I feel embarrassed that you and I should have to have a conversation to break it down, but let's do it, shall we? Please. My wife is not going to kiss other men and and have a physical relationship with other men after she's married to me. But of course, she dated other men before she met me, and that's not cheating on me because she and I had not met. This is how adult relationships Time proceeds in a linear fashion. (laughs) That's right. So it's not as if she cheated on me in reverse or something. 
Use your You're head. You're the Stephen you know? Hawking of guilt. That's right. <laughs> Use your head. I think it's great you're uh, attracted to this gal and that, you, that you're hot for her and that she's hot for you. And the Lord does that to, to trick people into doing a lot of work to have a healthy relationship. <laughs> that's, that's God's plan Focus. for the people. Focus. You know, it, because otherwise we'd say, this is, what's the point of this? And you say, sex. Oh, well, okay. That's, Meetings. Uh, let's, too honest. Uh, gotta, too, okay. too real. But here's what I'm saying about you know, playing Uno, as they say south of the border, is that you've got to, to, to recognize that... <laughs> I wish I had a bell to ring for every one of those. I may may put it in in post. Here's here's what I'm saying, is that that it's good and healthy that you have these feelings and that you want to focus these feelings on on one particular gal. And and I'm with Jed. I I think it's good that you're trying to find a way to, 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 you know, work towards a, a more uh, righteous way of, yeah. of, of being where you're at. Absolutely right. And Lee, I'd love to go to you to uh, to close us out because you, you obviously work with a, a lot of uh, young people, young men specifically. Yes. And okay, it's a sin. It's where we are now. As, to take us back where we just started, how do we focus on where we want to go? Because maybe that yes. really contextualizes where we are. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to, to look at this. And one thing that I want to say to the to our question asker is, dude, I love you, man. Uh, and and here's the thing is I love the fact that you worded this question the way that you did because you're the kind of dude and and every single person that's a host on this podcast will agree with me. You're the kind of guy that we want to talk to. Yeah. The kind of guy yeah. that's willing to admit this is what my deal is. Um I I you know, I've got a, a lot of guys that I work with and my favorite kind is the guy that, you know, we he gets in the car, we go to have the lunch, and I'm like, Well, dude, how was your weekend? He's like, Well, you know what, man? It kind of sucked. I smoked again, and uh, you know, and I, I know you don't hate me on that, so I'd love to talk about you know how the whole thing rolled out. And can I just tell you the story? And I'm like, dude, that's what I'm talking about. Let's have this conversation. Let's just have the whole thing honestly. Tell me what you thought about it. Did it work? Did it help you with the problems with your family? Did your relationship with your mom magically get better when you did that? No, okay, let's talk about why. I, I love that. I love the honesty here because you you have to have that in order to go somewhere. And like Jed's mm-hmm. saying, there's so many other things, but one of the questions we want to ask is, okay, what now? What what you know, after we've kind of admitted this and looked at it or whatever, what what now? And the 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 cool thing is that I think that if the the suggestion that I'm about to make, and it's something that we've said before on this podcast, if you make the if if you take this advice. I can almost, to a person, guarantee you that you will be surprised with what the answer is, which is, what if you took this question that you've asked us and went straight to Jesus with that? Okay. And said, here is where I honestly am. I'm super turned on my, by my girlfriend. And in fact, um, I've, I've masturbated to you know thinking about her and everything. Um, what is it that you want out of my sexual life? What do you, what's your opinion about this, Lord? What do you... What, what do you want for me? What do you have in store for me? What's your plan for me? I could almost guarantee you, if that was, if that was where we took this, like, I, I'm going to make, you know, with my sexual life, I'm going to go to Jesus Christ. I'm going to be as honest as I possibly can be, and I'm going to give him the right to call some shots and to make some suggestions. I can almost just promise you he will surprise you. Mm-hmm. Because that thing that yeah. Glenn said, where it's like, 
it's going to be the most stringent, the most legalistic, the most whatever. I can almost promise you that that what Jesus has to say to you off of that would completely blow the doors off of that whole thing. Yeah. Um, you would be surprised with, and, and it may be, as these guys are saying, hey, uh, yeah, let's keep the, look, we want to work on some other stuff first. I really want to talk about the way that you guys are talking to each other and that kind of stuff. But the idea of, I'm saying uh, to Jesus, here is the state of my sexual life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's what I would like it to be one day. What, what do you think about that, Lord? Um, I, I have a feeling that I'm not where I need to be. I'm having a feeling that this is wrong. What's your feedback on that? And what do you want this to be? What, what do you have in store for me? That, to be honest, number one, basically nobody approaches their sexual life that way. Yeah. Number right. two, that is the height of what it would look like to have a holy sexual life is to be honest with Jesus about what it is mm-hmm. and, to, and to submit to him and say, what do you want it to be? That's as, I mean, this side of heaven, that's as good as that gets. And so what I would say is, awesome, well-worded question. Thanks for writing it in. You take that to him with the same level of honesty and inquiry, you're going to be, you are, you have moved from this question of am I sinning into the height of what, what the the pathway to a righteous sexual life. Amen. Absolutely. That is fantastic. I think to close us out on this, one of the things we're, we're all pointing to here, and it, it will serve you very well in life, both in kind of the sexual realm and just in general in your walk, is to get comfortable with the fact that you are a sinner. Yes. yes. That, that helps us kind of focus on what all these guys are saying on uh, prioritizing, as Glenn and Jed are talking about, on walking through processes like Lee's talking about, about. It really helps you be honest with the Lord and seek honest counsel. There are some things in your life where the the uh, diagnosis might be, holy crap, I need to fix this by tomorrow. Sure. And never do this again. We all work with people who that is true for them. We've all been in situations in our lives where that was that was true. It's I... I you know, I, I need to do nothing else, not go to work, not go to school, not do anything until I get this sorted out because this is going to take me out. There, That's few things. Those are few and far between. Most of the things are, yeah, that's not great. We'll see. We'll get to that kind of when we get to it. And that, again, it's that's where these ideas of uh, asking what it needs to be and a dull roar and all those ideas really are useful. We're not talking about excusing sin or any, whatever people might say at church. We're talking about being realistic, but as Glenn said, everybody's got stuff yep. all the time. Yep. Right. This is not a, a to do list that you clear out right. of all your sins and then it, one will jump back on there. Right. It is always populated. Yep. Right, right, and the right. thing about us all being equal sinners, and we've, we've referenced that Matthew 5 passage, which is pertinent to this, and a big point, part of the point of that story is nobody gets to look down on anybody else. Because you're all sinners. Yeah. Yep. If all sin is equal, then we're all equally sinners. So we don't have to worry about not being a sinner. That's never going to happen. Yeah. Right. You don't have That's to worry right. about that. You can worry about living a good, righteous, holy, as Lee was pointing out, life. And that means letting God call shots on things, which the back side of that is letting God tell you, yeah, it's not great, but don't worry about it right now. Mm-hmm. And that, mm-hmm. that will serve you very well. We're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr box, and it says, I hear a lot about the gospel and social justice. Some people say they should... They should have nothing to do with each other, but other people say they should go together. I'm confused. 
who's right? And Glenn, why don't you start us off on this? Yeah, this is uh, becoming a, a big uh, sort of a, a buzz kind of conversation that's happening, uh, particularly within denominations and a lot of uh, higher up uh, uh, people that we're talking to. Uh, they're getting a lot of interest, uh, particularly from younger people, the kind of people that are trying to attract the church and doing uh, social justice stuff. When I started in in ministry, uh, this everything was dark. Sure, no one sure. had no. There were no, no no one had turned the lights on. When well, it all ran on whale oil. That's right. Uh, everything was in black and white. So, uh, what happened was uh, uh, at that time uh, there was a, a a word that was sort of a, a bad word uh, that you would hear at that time called the social gospel. What they meant by the social gospel was. Uh, a big movement of people who said, we're going to do a lot of good deeds in the world as Christians, but we're not going to make any of it overtly Christian so that it's just basically good deeds. And the result of that was the gospel was not preached in any of those places and no ministry happened, but there was a lot of effort and money and time spent on that. And therefore that's a bad thing to do. Uh, So at that time, if I said, well, I'm going to help guys get jobs as part of the ministry that I'm Social doing, gospel. That's a social gospel. You're going to tell them about Jesus too, though, right? Well, yeah, that's you know, we're getting in the car. We're driving to the job place. I'm telling them about Jesus. Okay, but you're going, to, you're going to get them saved, right? You're not just going to get them a job. That was the concern then. We've sort of swung to the opposite extreme now where we're back to the idea maybe that's okay. Uh, but the truth is these two are the, 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 the gospel itself and, and social justice are meant to be tied together yes you're never supposed to have one without the other if if you don't care about my physical condition if you don't care about my emotional condition do not presume you can speak to me about my spiritual condition that's what scripture says exactly right that this is as clear a thing as there is and that's how we get done what we get done yeah i mean uh, you know we show care and concern for people's physical condition for their emotional situation that's why they listen to us talk yeah. about their spiritual stuff uh, why would you want to try and do that any other way? I, I, I can't tell you. Uh, but we were sort of touching on this in our last episode. This is uh, is not about putting on a show. The, mm. the Bible is actually very clear about this at the beginning of uh, Matthew chapter 6. It's talking about uh, don't uh, announce your righteous deeds with trumpets and and. Uh, don't put on a show as a way of, of, of showing, bragging on yourself in that way. That's a little tough because part of what we're trying to do here is to be a witness. But we, we, we need to make sure that that witness is to those people who are in need and that we're sharing the gospel with them as part of that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll strip away some details because it would surely embarrass uh, the people that are the subject of the story, but... Uh, we're working with uh, a particular church, and this church had a ministry going on. Uh, y- you can imagine, you know, men's Bible study, women's cell group, you know, those kinds. Of, they've got a program going on where people are going into the church. At the same time as a ministry program is taking place where poor people are going into this inner city church, the same church has a dude, bless him, on the street corner in front of the church with a megaphone, and he's announcing uh, spiritual things at the people. And uh, uh, I observed this and mentioned, uh, don't. Also, have you noticed you've never seen me do that? Yep. 
Also, uh, do, do you see what might be wrong with this in, in terms of trying to put everything on as a show as yep. opposed to speaking? You're literally and, on a street corner. That's right. It's literally do not stand on a street corner and pray and make a, a show of yourself is exactly what the Bible said. You are doing exactly that, my man. <laughs> with a megaphone. And I, I, I think if there had been megaphones at the time, Jesus would have mentioned but, no megaphones. Yeah, I mean, if it's announcing it with trumpets, I think that's as close <laughs> sure. as you can get to the, the megaphone shape. technology. That's right. You know, uh, but uh, I mentioned this to these people, and bless them, they were they were they were humble about it, and said, you know, it's funny you should mention that. We noticed at one point people were having to walk off of the sidewalk around on, us. into the street to get around us to get into the church. I'm like, you're literally blocking people from getting to church with you're this living thing. the metaphor. Yeah. So I think um, it's it's about recognizing that the the megaphone and the announcing and all that that's what we do to create distance because we're not looking to have intimate relationships with people. Get your sign, do your protest, do your march, whatever with the social media. It's all fine and lovely, but if you're not, if all that isn't leading to a one-on-one, face-to-face conversation with somebody where you're telling them about the Lord, we are not doing ministry. We're not doing the the, the full complement of what the Lord is, is, is calling us to do, to, to engage with people holistically and deal with every last part of their life. That's uh, really a fantastic place to start on that. Leah, I'd love to get you to pick us up there, maybe less for uh, particularly uh, ministry, as we're talking about, you know, but just this idea of, yeah. as, as a guy who kind of, uh, as a guy who runs a church, how do these ideas play together? There's this idea that, you know, uh, Social justice is over here, and the gospel is over here, and we don't really need to look at them, and don't don't get your politics and this whole thing. How, how does someone who's looking to engage in a world where clearly there are social problems, and they want to, they know the gospel is part of answering that kind of somehow? What do we say to folks like that? Well, I mean, I think the 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 thing that I would say to somebody that's trying to figure it out is, where do you want to get involved? Who who do you who do you love? Who do you who 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 do you have a squeeze on your heart for? Because we got lots of people with a lot of problems. And I feel like mm-hmm. if you're a person that loves Jesus, you should be the one, we should be the ones that lead out on all of these things. We should be the ones that that are effectively caring about people in situations of poverty, that we should be the ones effectively caring about people who are foreigners and outsiders. We should be the ones effectively caring about people in the in our prison system and in in criminal justice system and and uh, addiction recovery and all that kind of stuff. And so the question is, where, where do you, where do you want to lend a hand? Where do you want to roll up your sleeves? Where do you want to get involved? We've got, we have lost people, we have hurting people, we have needy people all over the place. And so, the exactly as Glenn's saying, these two should go hand in hand. If you believe in the gospel, you should be ready not only to relieve someone's, you know, uh, relieve someone's uh, burden of guilt and stuff over their past, over their sin, but also the pressure of their life and the problems that they're having. Do you want to sit down and talk to somebody who's, who's, you know, mentally unwell, who's having a hard time? Do you want to, do you want to listen to somebody? Do you want to bake some cookies for somebody? Where do you want to get involved? Believers in Jesus have always throughout the history of the church have always been the people who started hospitals, who started orphanages, who campaigned for the abolition of slavery, who we, we, the people who love Jesus have always been the tip of the spear on that stuff. And so if you're looking to get involved, I think one of the questions is, where's the squeeze on your heart? Um, you don't have to do it all, 
But where's the squeeze on your heart? Because there's a lot to be done. And whether you're in a big city or whether you're in a small town, there's stuff to do. And, uh, and there are people who are disenfranchised. There are people who are neglected. There are people who overlook people that are counted out. And so if you've got a squeeze on your heart, let's, let's get to it. And by the way, and if, if you're looking around at your town and you're saying, I don't know how to do that, would you please write us and ask us a question? Because we'd love to help you find out where you can actually get involved in that, whether it's, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, a local homeless shelter and you're just passing stuff out or helping organize, you know, uh, meals or something like that, or, um, you know, kind of the, the homeless mission thrift store or, or whatever it is, or your local jail ministry, you want to see how you can get involved in that. There is, there's a lot to do and we should be the people that are doing it because we do have the good news. We do, we do believe in Jesus. We do believe that he loves them. The, the love that Jesus has for us has gotten a hold of our heart and we want to get a hold of, we, we want to pass that along and, and help out other folks as much as we can. So that's the place that I would start is where is that squeeze on your heart as you look around at your town and your city? Absolutely right. And Jeff, I'd love to get you to close us out on this. I think uh, Lee pointed something there that I think is worth exploring a little further because I think he put his finger right on the relationship between these things yeah. as they ought to be. And um, it is that the gospel should inform social justice. One, yep. sh- one should lead to the other. I think that, as, as Glenn was pointing out where we began, that they really do kind of paper over the holes in each other. There's um, s- social stuff can peter out a little bit when it's just, well, it, it, it either runs on idealism or outrage or kind of something mm-hmm, that burns mm-hmm, off and you, mm-hmm. you put out a tweet and you feel better about that. And really, I think a lot of church stuff um, falls apart in the sense of, as, as Lee is pointing out there, just kind of, um, we had feelings about it. Yeah. We said that it was, this was bad or this was good. And we, we had a feeling and then, so it's pretty much over now. Sure. So how does social social justice, which we admit is a loaded term, but it is kind of the term of the day, and I think folks understand what we mean by that. How does that work as an outgrowth of our faith? That's a great question. Here's what the Bible says. Uh, James 2.18 clearly says, I show my faith by what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that is not my opinion. That is the Bible. Uh, so what James is saying there is that faith is displayed through action, mm-hmm. period, the end. Almost like you would know a tree by its fruit. Very much like that. It's a very interesting way of expressing that. I just line. made that up. Faith is displayed through action. Period. The end. Uh, that's uh, Faith is not displayed through feelings. Faith is not displayed through earnestness. Faith is displayed through action. That's mm-hmm. that's what the Bible says. Right. It's, we, all, we have feelings. We have earnestness. But the living out of faith is action. That's, mm-hmm. that's the witness of Scripture. Basically, every page of Scripture commands justice for the poor and disadvantaged. That's right. It comes up a lot. And if you want an easy case study on that, go to the beginning of the book of Psalms and just start reading. Right. It comes up a lot. Yeah. It's pretty hard to miss. Um, We live in a world that both doesn't like but is also obsessed with labels, uh, you know, is this social justice? Is this the social gospel? Literally, right. I'm having a sit down with a, a close friend of ours who, who does a lot of great homeless ministries, describing an interaction with a person who says, oh, I love Jesus. We got to care for the poor, but social justice is bad. Right. Like, <laughs> right. oh, okay. Have yeah. you read that book, friend? Here's the thing. The, the labels aren't important. If right. you don't like the phrase social justice, don't use it. Fine. Right, right, it right, right, it right. doesn't matter. The servings of the poor, the serving of the poor and the disadvantaged, that's important. Yeah. 
You, you can call that whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It, it makes no difference. But, but the doing of it is really the key thing. Mm-hmm. Matt brings up a good point. You know, if we're all, and this is why these two have to go together. If we're hoping for our feelings to fuel this, feelings burn off. That's right. Um, quickly. Very quickly. If we're looking for our outrage to fuel this, man, outrage burns off like that. It mm-hmm. just, it doesn't, it doesn't last. If you want to truly make a difference in this world, then that needs to come from a deep and abiding faith that there's a God who loved you and gave himself for you, that empowers you to on a day-by-day basis give up yourself and lay your life down for the sake of other people that's mm-hmm. that's how this is meant to work it's kind of the only way that it can work right. but if you'll embrace that life if you will if you will give yourself over to it you will see the lord jesus change this world through you and around you i guarantee you you will see that happen and that there's no, there's nothing more rewarding than that um as, as you start to see that happening i i don't think you'll ever want to do anything else and, and you'll be right to feel that way you're absolutely right i think the the interplay of these things is something that when it when it is done right we can't overstate the power of his just pointing out we, we had another situation uh, somewhat recently where we were uh talking about some friends of ours in a, in a major uh denomination who had uh, we're talking about kind of the the presence their group had at a, a kind of big protest that's going on currently and we were we were Jed, i think this was glenn was in the meeting and debrief jed and i kind of well what are they doing i said oh you know they're there and signs and stuff so well yeah but there are people there who are you know they're outside and they're cold so like taking blankets and you know asking to pray for them like now we didn't really you know and that's the thing as, as as these guys are pointing out the if you really look through the heart of the gospel which is to look out for the poor and disadvantaged orphans widows but it's also to serve people to yeah. serve their immediate needs to talk to them to be there for them uh that that actually helps you do better social justice mm-hmm. and as we can all point out from uh, stuff especially we do here in Chicago uh being socially engaged helps you do better gospel mm-hmm. that's right that's right because uh you you really uh, a it just as Glenn is pointing out it puts out to the community to go back to uh, the conversation we were having in our previous episode about kind of witnessing. That's a pretty good witness. Mm-hmm. Cause if you say nobody cares about poor people, we care about these, uh, these homeless people or these, these prostitutes, yeah. whatever it is. And somebody says, well, it's the exact same question. They ask Jesus, why are you eating with these people? I care about these people. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about these people. I do. Right. That's, that's, right. that's the actual mm-hmm. legacy of what's going on there. It's, it's hard to, uh, this would maybe <clears throat> some church people's head explode. And that's only part of the fun of it. Absolutely. It's hard not to look at Jesus, you know, feeding people, healing people, eating with the disadvantaged and not call right. that social work. Yeah. Right, right. That was a social statement in the no sense question. of society. No so question. if you hear somebody talking about that, these things are at odds, it's as, as Jed points out, one, it's very important to define terms. Mm-hmm. One of the things with having a largely older, as we're going to start out, largely older kind of pastorate and kind of punditry and people writing about this, sometimes they're saying something that's technically right, like they make a decent point, but they just don't have any grasp on these terms in a way that comes off uh, really schmucky. Mm-hmm. And it's that's not great, and we would hope that they would do better than that, but that, that's not necessarily the same thing as rejecting it all. All right, So mm-hmm. to understand mm-hmm. where people come to these terms, but then if someone's saying, well, you know, the gospel has nothing to do with uh, social stuff, that just, that doesn't jive. That's, that's right. That's, that's right. someone who, whatever their motivations are, we can guess on a lot of them. 
A lot of it rhymes with not wanting to spend money on anything that has to do with poor people. Mm-hmm. But if somebody says, hey, you know, I, I'm way into the Jesus thing, but I don't think that, to go back to the quote, I don't think that has anything to do with helping people. Yeah. You've really missed the boat on that. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with miss. wanting to help people, and Jesus wants to help people and look for smart ways to do that. All right. If you have a question for us, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Say that podcast at gmail.com. Or take out another Christmas song this week. This is... Uh, Written and performed by our friend Zach Hughes with an assist from Brother Lee Younger. This is a great Christmas song called To Come Down. We're going to take out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that, Legal Team wishes to point out that no statements made by the on-air personnel are intended to destabilize any sovereign nation in Southeast Asia or the Pacific Rim in general. Yes. We're all walking in the darkness. We all stumble in the night Lord, did you forget about us? Are you gonna make this right? Is this how we always will be? Is this what we'll always do? Do we have a hope of changing? Can we ever come to you? To you? Undo our own Wash me Who've lost all that's inside Our other plans have been exhausted We're too tired to make this right Would you take our hands and guide us Lost her way so long ago Fill our hearts, Lord, and allow us To trust you and bring us all back home Back home Undo our own Wash me Change everything. Heal broken hearts. Give us reason to sing. Oh, come down and change everything. Undo our wrong. Wash, make us clean. Oh, come down.
Change everything 